Where do we go? This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians. Brought to you by Advent Health. With the support of world-class expertise and whole-person care, it's time to feel whole with Advent Health. To learn more, visit adventhealth.com. Now your host, Bucs team reporter Casey Phillips, along with head coach Bruce Arians. Welcome into the final Bruce Arians show of the season. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. So uh, I, I know we talked about this a little bit last week to start, but I got to start by asking again the, the first that first pass, that first drive. What, is, this can't be a coincidence at this point. Do you think it is? What, what, no, what are we, what's no, happening it, here? It's a, it's a combination of, of a DB jumping a route and, and, a, and a poor decision to throw it. So take us through both, maybe the first two, the first and second drives. What what has specifically happened on each of those plays? Well, the first one was a, a simple out route, and uh, corner jumped it and pick six. You know, the second one was a situation where they had a, a lurker in the middle of the field playing man to man, and just read Jameis's eyes and uh, and picked it off. So, is there anything on that first series, first drive that maybe um, now you're thinking we you know can try to do differently or whatever? It, because it just continues to happen so many games that it, it again it doesn't seem like a coincidence at this point. Yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a new one for me, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, but it's uh, something we've overcome every week, and we should have overcome this one. And uh, looking at the idea of then. You talked about how that you you want the team to stop giving away some points at the beginning, being such a nice team. But it has to be encouraging to see that even when that has happened, especially in this last game, how much the defense has stepped up in those moments. Oh, there's no doubt. We played sudden sudden change defense extremely well, and we've had to we've had to learn how to do it. But uh, and it's not an easy thing to do, uh, especially when you get a turnover and you turn it back over on the next play and you go out and stop them. That that speaks a lot about our guys. Yeah, what are the biggest challenges of that when it's the, the defense isn't expecting to have to go out that quickly? And what, is, what happens then on those next plays that you have to make sure you do it well? <clears throat> That's just where you have to really refocus quickly and uh, come off the sideline ready to roll. When it comes to some of those turnovers, do you think anything could have been the fact that it, it was some new or different wide receivers? I mean, we talk about the importance of that connection with those guys. And when you have a lot of guys that Jameis hasn't thrown a lot of passes to, did that seem to be a factor at all? It, it is. I mean, it's... it's uh, Justin Watson, he's thrown a lot of balls too, so uh, I can't use that one for an excuse. And then the idea of you guys had to use so many new and different weapons. I mean, that's a very unique situation. So um, what do you do to make sure that those guys are ready and, and to where you, you do have the confidence in them going in there? Yeah, I mean, they, they practiced real well. They, each one had a little bit of a role. They didn't have to learn everything. And, uh, you know, Cody McElroy came in made a big play with, with his opportunity. Uh, some other guys uh, didn't play quite as well. And what are the, the challenges of when you do have so many guys at, at one position? Did it make you feel like you needed to change anything about what you guys were going to do, or was it the same playbook and just assuming those guys could step same in? Same playbook, but don't ask them to do things they can't do. You know, mm-hmm. Put them in positions where they should be able to be successful. And um, you, know, you never know if you haven't had a guy under the lights until he gets out there under the lights, whether he's going to play big or not. When you're trying to find a replacement for someone that you have multiple guys go down with injuries, and um, do you try to find someone that can as closely as possible replicate what that guy did, or are you just trying to find the best players? In just general? the best player you have, and uh, you know when you take a guy off your practice squad, he's not going to be Michael Evans. So you've got to do some things that he can do well. How much can practice squad guys be? prepared for these games of you know a lot of times they're mimicking what the other team is doing instead of getting true reps in in this system so how prepared do they tend to be how much more helpful is it that you had a guy on your practice squad as compared to a guy off the street 
Yeah, so much. They're sitting in all the meetings. They run all the routes in pre-practice. So they're, they, they're up to speed on their offense and, and the techniques that we want to use. Um, now, when you get a guy off the street, that's a little different. When you've now looked at, you know, the course of this season, I know that, um, you know, you've talked about how you've analyzed each of Jameis's interceptions and worked so so hard to overcome those. Have you noticed any patterns of, of what types of situations they tend to come in? No, no, that's the, that's the baffling part. <laughs> that's, that's the part that you wish you could figure out. That's a million-dollar question. Um, how about you? You mentioned Corey McElroy and um, another one was Ishmael Hyman, guys that were asked to, to step in and make some big plays. How did each one of them do in your mind? Well, Cody did really well, and then uh, Spencer Snell did a nice job in punt returns, and, and his play, Ish, uh, struggled a little bit a couple of times, but uh, he made a big catch. Uh, you, you had to bring in so many new weapons. Was it even harder having one less day to, to prepare this, you know, this week of it being a Saturday game when of all the weeks that that was going to happen, did that add a, another wrinkle into it? Well, you know, Jameis can't throw. He'd only throw one day anyway, so with the thumb. So it really another day wouldn't have mattered as far as his timing with the wide receivers. And was any of this, do you accredit any of this to his thumb? I mean, I know that we talked about last week, 450 plus yards on, on a broken thumb as well. And then this week, how much can you, when there is an injury like that, how much does it change how you can evaluate the performance? Yeah, I think it's more than wet. the weather conditions. Uh, the thumb was fine. You know, it's just a matter of being outside in the wind rather than being in a dome in a, in a perfect environment. And Justin Watson did get his uh, second touchdown of his career. How did you um, feel like that particular play? You know, what, what all did he do there? And then just the, the game overall, how did he perform? Yeah, he stayed alive. And James did a great job of scrambling and then finding him. And uh, he made a real nice catch. And how was the uh, overall accuracy, of, aside from the interceptions, the other passes, how did you feel like his accuracy was in that game? Not, not what it was the week before. We had a lot of really good opportunities to score touchdowns that went off our fingertips. And it, it's a game of inches. What, what does tend to cause you know, accuracy issues, per se, that it's, 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 you're not talking about the decision-making anymore of things like interception. So um, what's, what tends to be going on that, that can cause games that you're saying, man, like the accuracy was there versus not? Yeah, it's just a matter of with the win against the win, when you're warming up, knowing exactly what's going on. And uh, you know, especially deep balls. And we had, we had three deep balls that, were, that we had, we've been making every week, and we didn't make them. And Brashad Perriman continues to, to really step up, you know, getting more of those opportunities. We know we've heard a lot about his speed in particular, that that's something that he's, he's really got going for him. Aside from that, what does he bring to the table? What are the things that you've seen of, of why he's been able to now consistently have some pretty big games? He's a good player. He's, he's got excellent hands, and he's really worked hard at it the last couple of years and uh, getting his confidence back. And he's playing with a lot of confidence, and uh, I mean, he can run any route. So the speed is always that's a big factor, though. Yeah. Uh, confidence is another word I think we've used to talk about Ronald Jones this season, that that was something that um, he really needed to, to get back you know, after last year and that that was going to make a big difference. How have you seen his confidence overall this year? He had his you know, first real big, true breakout run, it felt like, this season, this last game. Yeah, it's growing and growing, especially in the passing game. Uh, he's always had that natural running ability. His pass protection is better. Uh, his understanding of the offense is better. And, and he's become a pretty good receiver. Yeah, and how about in this game in particular? What did you see, and why maybe even that one play in particular really worked for it's him? It's blocked extremely well, and he, you know, he's, he's had a good stiff arm and uh, broke a couple of tackles, which he's very, very capable of. And the offensive line, how would you rate uh, their performance, both run game and pass blocking, of this last week? Pass blocking was pretty solid. Running game, uh, I think we were a little bit out physical a couple of times, especially in short yardage. And then we talked about the defense. I mean, there were just so many um, big moments, big stops that they had. Um, 
how did, how did you feel, like, especially we talked about Deshaun Watson and, and how elusive he is, how did you feel like they did in terms of containing him? I thought we did a great job. We got five sacks and, you know, he got out a couple of times and he's going to get out. But uh, to hold him to the number of yards that uh, we held him to, I thought our defense, we should have been giving out about 10 game balls on defense. Casey Phillips here with head coach Bruce Arians. Uh, we started talking a little bit about the defense before uh, that last break, but I feel like we could probably talk about them for a really long time. Um, just, I mean, first of all, let's talk about JPP, three sacks in that game. What was working so well for him in that game? Well, he's got a great power move and he can really bend for a big man and he's got length and, uh, you know, he was, he, he just had great, he's in shape now, you know, it took him a while to get back into shape and, uh, you know, he's finishing off the season right where he needs to be. Did you imagine that when you heard about the injury that, that he had in this off season that he would have a game like that no. one later on this year? I was just hoping he was going to be fine, yeah. you know, and, uh, but yeah, I never expected it. And what does it say about him and, and what do you think it is aside from you? You've talked about his athleticism of just his bend, things like that. But to be able to come back from that the way he has and have played as long in this you know, game as he has to, to be having games like that. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's still in his prime. He, he's a young man. When I, the way sports science is today, guys are playing until they're 35, you know, and they're playing really, really well. Uh, he's one of those type of guys. And uh, Jamel Dean got an interception. I know he was a guy that uh, you'd been saying you were a little frustrated he wasn't catching more of them. Mm -hmm. He should have had more of them recently. So take us through that play and, and what worked well Oh, there. did a great job. Used, used his length, you know, and, and just went up and got it. And, and he can catch him up high. He has a little, little struggle when, when they're right here. When they're easy, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was a great play by him. So we should hope that the interceptions are a little bit more challenging for him to yes, get moving indeed, forward. Yes, <laughs> uh, Sean Murphy, Bunsing, another young guy, had a, had a big game. You know, he had forced fumble, sack, tackle for loss. Uh, how have you seen him grow this season? Oh, leaps and bounds. You know, I, I was kidding him again about, you know, when we got on the bus back in the preseason, I asked him if he even played. And uh, he's, he has grown and, uh, and is the player that we, we drafted and hoped that we'd have for a long, long time. I imagine a statement like that is a bit of a motivator for a player. You try. You try. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, take us through some of those, especially that play, you know, force fumble and sack and, and what that meant to the game even at that point. And, and, I mean, that was his, you know, getting in there for a sack is not something we've seen him do a whole lot this year. Yeah, he's become a much, much better, better blitzer about reading when to go and how to get there. And uh, just a great Really a great ball game by him and the whole secondary. Carlton Davis played the best game I've ever seen him play. Really? What was it about the game that makes you say that? Well, he was just, he took DeAndre Hopkins and basically eliminated him and uh, was more physical. And that's the, probably the most physical receiver he and Michael Thomas in the league. And, and Carlton, he did more than hold his own. What has Todd Bowles done with this defense to put um, some of those young DBs in a position to succeed? It's just a matter of growth, you know, communication, confidence. And when you see Sean grow from where he was uh, uh, when the lights were real big and now it's just normal, I think it's just normal growth when you have that many young players playing on defense. But uh, the communication, the trust in each other, and the communication has gotten so much better. And another young guy, Devin White, got another recovered fumble. That, that seems to be something he's getting a, a bit of a knack for. Yeah, I was hoping he'd take it to the house and score with that one. He was, he was close. Yeah. And wh what did you see on that play that led to that and, and why he does seem to be in a position to be doing this so often? Well, he's always around the ball. So when, And the ball's on the ground, and it's usually him or Sue that's going to pick it up and go score. Yeah, that's true. At least Sue, he's just taking up all that space. No one else can get to it at that point. Um, and, and speaking of him, you know, he had uh, one and a half tackles for loss. And just overall, there were, uh, I think it was eight tackles for loss total on the, on the defense. How were they able to get, you know, back into the backfield so successfully? Yeah, I mean, they did a great job of penetration. I mean, the entire defensive line, uh, you, you can't discount any of them. They all had a really, really big game and just free up our linebackers. 
Um, and I know there was a blocked field goal, something that's happened already this year at some point. What did what happened on this particular one, and and how worrisome is it that that has happened a couple times? Uh, not, it was, a, it was a long. It was like 54, 55, and I just hit a little bit low, and uh, we got a little pressure and just enough pressure to get a hand up, and you just got to get it up higher. I want to hear your thoughts on on Matt Gay this season and, and what he's been able to do. I thought he's done a heck of a job for a rookie. Um, I think he, he might still lead the league in fit over 50, number of 50-yard field goals. And, um, you know, his biggest problem was extra points. It really wasn't field goals. But uh, you know, he grew and grew, and uh, he's going to have a great career. And we haven't talked a lot about uh, Bradley Pinion, which, you know, with punters is probably a good thing when you're not Absolutely. talking about them a whole lot. But now that we're towards the end of the season, I figured we'd sort of look at that area as well, that he's had to do kickoffs and punts. And, and how do you feel like he's done for the team? Oh, he just set a record for most touchbacks, you know, and uh, that's, that's like a given that, we're going to take the kickoff return out for the other team out of the game. So, uh, And he's done a great job punting and put, putting the ball inside the 20 a bunch for us and it's hang time. And, yeah, he's a, he's a remarkable holder. I mean, he's, he's a very valuable guy. As we talked about, a lot of the guys that had to step up in this game with you know all the injuries to pass catchers, uh, O.J. Howard had another pretty big game in terms of some, some deeper balls, some longer catches. Uh, what has started to really work there and, and click with him in these recent games? I think he's, he's more confident in the offense now mm -hmm. and, uh, and knowing his role and where to be and when to know he's open. And I uh, wish we'd had that one back. Uh, we had a double move, and he was, he was open for the game winner. Yep. And when you say the confidence in the new system, what are the things that it tends to take to get somebody to that point? What are the things that they're not sure of? What, it, what does it take to learn? How, how do you see a guy make that shift? That not sure, that means you play slow. <laughs> and uh, when you're sure, you play fast. And uh, I think now I can't really say that anybody's playing slow anymore. Um, everybody's playing fast and that, uh, look forward to, uh, to building on it. When you mentioned the one you wish you could have had back with OJ, I'm sure one that uh, you wish you had back and Cam wishes he had back is, is that fourth down drop. And uh, very uncharacteristic of Cam yeah, in those situations. I, I would have lost the ranch on that one. Yeah, you'd have made the bed you got that. Ball, yeah. So looking back at it, is there any way to kind of tell what, what went wrong there? Was it just sort of a... I don't know. I think he, I think he saw the DB fall, and he probably had a touchdown, and he just hurried up a little bit too much. And looking at what kind of happened at that point in the game, what were the decisions about, you know, going for it and field goals and, and where you were in the, in the field? What was the decision there? would have been there? probably 58 to 59-yard field goal. And uh, there was no way we were going to punt and uh, just going to make a play. And how about just overall, the, we talked a little bit about Rojo earlier. Um, I know Peyton Barber had that fumble, but um, how did his game look overall and what, what seemed to go wrong on that fumble? Oh, he just got stripped. I mean, it was a great run, hit the cut back, and, uh, you know, and, and he's a very secure ball carrier for us. And uh, just one of those things, the guy got his arm in there and pulled it out. What have you seen from him this season overall, and, and has, has he continued to grow? Peyton, oh, yeah. I mean, he's gotten better and better, and uh, you know, he's kind of the thumper for us. He does a great job down in the red zone, and, and Rojo did a great job on, the, on that running for the touchdown this week. And uh, we've had the Pro Bowlers announced since the last time we got to tape this show, so I just wanted to hear what you thought about the idea of uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Shaq Barrett being named to the Pro Bowl, and then the idea that Levante David wasn't named yeah, to the Pro Bowl. Yeah, I was Bowl. more disappointed that Levante wasn't, and uh, you know the, the position changed as far as he's now considered an inside linebacker where he was an outside linebacker in a 4-3 defense. I think hurt him some. Oh, you really? Th I, I thought a lot of people said that they thought it might help him because then he wasn't going against the likes of guys like Shaq Barrett that are getting all these sacks. But you think it actually might have hurt him a little bit? I think bit? it hurt him a little bit because, you know, there's just one. 
Mm. They only pick two guys. I mean, a first and an out. It's not like there's two positions at outside linebacker. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And um, what what did it say about the the three guys that did make it? The kind of seasons that they've had. And um, what do you think it was really that that worked so well for all three of those guys this year to be in the position? Especially Mike and Chris both getting named. I mean, that's that's not a common thing seeing two guys at the same position from the same team. Yeah, I think when you're two and three in the league and, and receptions and yards, uh, you deserve it. I was I was a little concerned that that might not happen just for that reason, mm -hmm. which is wrong, but uh, I was really happy to see they both got it in. So now looking ahead to this this Falcons game, um, what are the ways that, you know, we, we played them not too long ago, and now, though, you know, we've had a lot of injuries at some different positions that weren't there the last time. How do those injuries that we have now specifically affect the matchups against the Falcons? Well, yeah, that's, it'll be another different group of receivers this week. So, uh, you know, we'll just hopefully get better. Um, we had a, a very, very good game over there, um, especially Chris. Uh, we got to run the ball better and defensively uh, play as well as we did or better the last time we played them. What are the things other than injuries that you think have changed about this, this team that we have now? I think we've grown and grown, especially defensively. You know, I think we're extremely solid defensively, not, not right now. And uh, um, I think we've grown offensively. We've gained a lot of yards, and we're scoring a lot of points. We're just turning the ball over too much. And how do you think they're different than they were from this last matchup? Probably, you know, it's pretty same. They were on a hot streak the last time, and they just, just had two big wins. And, uh, you know, this will be our place and uh, a chance to get to 8-8. Eight and eight. It is our final segment here on the Bruce Arian Show, which means it is our final segment for this entire season of the show. And we're going to close out with some of your questions that you asked on the Buccaneers Instagram in response to the story that we put out soliciting those. And uh, our first one, I, I love this, they wanted to know, do you try to do something to help Shaq get a sack to help him beat the record? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Don't drop him in the coverage very often. <laughs> Just keep keep blitzing him, and uh, you know I want to see that. I want to see him get it. He's earned it. That's great. I love hearing that coaches want that as well. Um, all right, we had another question asking, what do you wish you had known at the beginning of the season? Hmm, that's a good one. Uh, I wish I'd have known Byron Leftwich was going to do such a great job. I wouldn't have worried about you him. You wouldn't so have much. stressed so much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's always a good sign. All right, the next one. Uh, what has been the biggest upside you've seen from the team as compared to last season? I think definitely our defense. You know, our defense. And, uh, you know, we went into the to the season wanting to sco score more points and be a better red zone offensive team. And, and I think that in our kicking game, uh, to have the two kickers be as good as they were, um, we've improved in the areas that we really want to improve in. Okay, next up is uh, what was the most challenging aspect of this season? I think dealing with these injuries at the end, we were pretty healthy, and I probably jinxed us because I said something about us being healthy. And uh, and you know when it comes, it usually comes all in one position. It's happened to us before in Arizona. It was our tackle. So and uh, so yeah, that's it's been challenging these two weeks. All right, and next they wanted to know how often do you sit in on quarterback meetings, and what is Jameis like in meetings overall? Very seldom I sit in that room. Uh, I sit in the big meetings. Um, but he's, a, he's an excellent student, and there's a lot of great dialogue between Clyde, Byron, and all the quarterbacks. All right, and our next question said, uh, will it be possible to keep everyone on the D-line next season? That's, that's our fingers crossed. We just, let's hope uh, that's, that's going to be the big challenge this offseason is, is getting all our guys signed back. Okay, and next up, uh, somebody asked, what was the thought process? Oh, wait, we actually talked about this earlier, the thought process on the last drive and not trying for a field goal so we can go to the next one. Has Chris Godwin reached his ceiling, or can he still get better? Oh, he can definitely get better. Yeah, I think he's just starting to reach because of that confidence level. Now he knows he can do it. 
right, which is huge. And then uh, finally, we'll close out with this one. Do you see the defensive turnaround carrying over to next season? Definitely, especially if we can keep that front together. Coach, thanks to you. We appreciate all the insight. This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians, brought to you by Advent Health. We'll be right back with offensive line coach Joe Gilbert. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. Now more with head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. And welcome back in. We just had head coach Bruce Arians with us for the first half of the show, and now I am so excited to welcome in offensive line coach Joe Gilbert. Coach, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me, Casey. I appreciate it. Yeah, final show of the year, and I feel like offensive line is always a great place to wrap up because they have so much to do with so much of what happens in the offense and they don't always get all the glory or the attention so this is a per- perfect way to, to close out the season here um, but we love hearing especially from you guys just a little bit more about you and, and your past and history because fans don't get to hear from the assistant coaches as often as well so um, just wanted to hear how you originally got linked up with with Bruce Arians and, and what made you want to come here with him oh um, well the first I my first stint in the NFL was uh, 2012 uh, at the Indianapolis Colts, and Bruce was the offensive coordinator. Uh, Chuck Pagano was the head coach. Um, I ended up coming in, interviewing with B.A. and Chuck, uh, and came in as the assistant line coach with Goody, uh, Harold Goodwin. So uh, that was my one year with those guys, um, and then they left. I stayed, became the line coach at the Colts with Chuck, uh, and I stayed with him through that, but always stayed in contact with B.A. and uh, Goody, and even when I went out to Arizona to work guys out, you know, I'd end up calling uh, Bruce and went over to his house with him and Chris and, you know, got a chance to see him and stuff. So obviously stayed in touch with him, saw him at the Combine over the years and that. How much had you known about him before you actually coached with him? Um, I mean, I know when I, when I first heard about him, I uh, heard he was a great guy, um, you know, uh, really someone that you want to work with. Um, and then obviously working with him that year, we had a, um, a difficult situation. Obviously when Chuck got <clears throat> diagnosed with cancer, uh, BA took over. And, um, I mean, you talk about, uh, probably one of the, the greatest years of, in my career, as far as coaching and, and what we did that year. And, um, you know, cause everybody kind of wrote us off and, uh, you know, we ended up coming back, being down uh, against the Packers and beating them, and then that turned around our season. and And BA was just sensational. I mean, from uh, just his personality, he never changed. You know, you would think that he was a, uh, you know, all of a sudden became the head coach and he changed. He wasn't. He was the same guy, uh, same person he is today, and you know, just someone you really enjoy working for. I love that. And what? What is it about him that can help him turn a team around? Like you said, of whether it's the Colts or the Cardinals or, you know, here with the record as compared to last year, the ability to so quickly make an impact on a team. I, I think the big thing is, is he holds everybody accountable. Um, but I think B.A. really is able to hold the players accountable uh, in the right way. You know, he knows they're professionals. He knows that, hey, this is their job. Um, and he doesn't have to yell, scream, one of those. But, you know, um, the things that he does do, um, it's in front of the group, and everybody kind of has to buy in uh, in a sense of, hey, you know, everybody's accountable, and uh, everybody has a job to do, and I think that's what he does really, really well. When you talk about the idea of buying in, when did you feel like you saw that start really happening here? Um, there was one of the things that, that uh, BA does is we have every day – he starts off a team meeting with the previous practice missed assignment sheets. 
Um, so Which, basically, <laughs> yeah. So well, and, and and that's put up in front of the team. So uh, and it's funny when you sit in the back of the room and you listen to the guys that all of a sudden they're like, yes, I'm not on that. You know? <laughs> yeah. and, and so you kind of felt that, hey, they started buying in because they didn't want to be called out in front of their peers. You know, hey, you made a mistake yesterday, blah, blah, blah. Don't be on the, on the sheet. And you talked about you also got to work with Harold Goodwin uh, in, your, in your first stop as well. What, how do you guys work together here and his role and the way that he's involved with you guys in the offensive line? Oh, we, we do everything 50-50. I mean, and that's the, the fun thing about it. Um, you know, um, so I mean, I th- from that standpoint, it's, you know, hey, I've got these guys that work with the tackles, Goody does the centers and guards, and um, and so we divide it up that way. And uh, But it, it's it's great because, you know, obviously you got two guys in there, you're watching everything, you're kind of making sure you got your checks and balances and the whole thing. And um, so it works out really well, you know, and uh, good friends off the field, so that works. And, you know, when you're around somebody all the time, you have to have that relationship. Otherwise, it could be a really long, day. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> point. Um, how about just when your different stops that you had pre-NFL, uh, you talked about the Colts was when you really broke into the NFL side of things, but what are some of the other jobs that you've had and how they've influenced the type of coach that you are? Um, I spent 26 years in college coaching, uh, everywhere from Division three all the way up to Division one, And uh, I think at every level, you know, you appreciate um, it, yeah, I look back and say, you know, hey, it was when you're coaching at a Division three level, you know, those guys might just be, you know, not quite as big, you know, a, a step slower, um, but their passion for the game is the same, you know. Um, and obviously, you know, you have to kind of, you know, as you go up, the, the player improves, the, the athletic ability improves. So you can do more, you know, with that type of guy or, or you know, adjust things more. Um, from a technique standpoint than you can with some, some when you're you know coaching at a lower level um, but it's all um, I think at the end of the day you know um, working with the with the guys um, having fun in the room um, you know grinding it out with them per se is is uh, I think the for me is the fun part what was the most fun in terms of college versus pro the things that you liked about those different jobs you know more or less you know in terms of when you look back at college of oh that was really cool getting to coach there because of this as compared to the differences of of pro um i I think the the big thing is when you recruit a player regardless in college um out of high school you know because you go in you start building a relationship with that individual uh, somewhere probably sophomore, junior year in his high school, then you sign him, and then he comes and plays for you. Um, so you see kind of a growth from a, a young teenager, and then obviously as that student athlete gets older and you know gets to his junior, senior year in college, you see kind of a, um, a young man develop, you know. So I think that part of it really is, you know, something that was you don't get, you know. You're already getting that guy that's already a young man coming in and, you know, here it's more of, hey, I'm going to develop you as a football player. Um, and then over time, you build a relationship at this level, uh, where in college, it's probably you build that relationship at a younger age with those guys because you know them coming out. And then it just kind of more develops and grows you know, um, over time. Yeah, that's been the cool thing here from position coaches in particular that um, you guys are so much more in the relationship part with the players. You're working with those individual guys so much more than the big picture X's and O's of a coordinator or a head coach. How important is the actual relationship side that you build with the players? I think it's important because at the end of the day, you know, I, I'll never forget a saying, you know, it's people always 
care, you want to know how much you care before how much you know. Uh, and I think if you do take the time to build a relationship with a guy and he knows that you want the best for him, you know, um, at this level, they want to know, hey, you know, uh, do you have, are you going to try to help develop me into being the best player I can? And at the end of the day, that helps us win games. It helps him and his career to be longevity wise uh, continue. So it kind of all goes hand in hand. Um, I think if you don't build that relationship and they kind of come in and say, well, he don't care about me, I'm just a, a guy doing a job, then I, I think that that's kind of a hard, especially with the amount of hours and time that we spend together, um, to be able to get that, that individual to progress and to develop like you'd want them to. Right, and we're talking offensive line coach Joe Gilbert. Um, you, you mentioned when you're in college, you get a chance to go recruit and convince them and sign, and you're you're really building the guys. But here, you know, when you come in, almost this whole line was already intact here when you mm -hmm. come in. So, what are the first steps when you get into a new job like this, and you're the new guy? They've already all been here. What does that look like? Um, I, I think at the f first part of it, it's a little bit where you got to kind of you know, slowly, you know, develop a relationship. And it's not just about football, you know. When you have five, ten minutes, you sit down and say, hey, you know, where are you from? Right. You know, uh, are you married? What are your kids' names? You know, things like that, um, that I think over time you build that relationship and you know where they're from. You know what type of background they come from. You know that they've got four kids at home or their wife's pregnant and, you know, about to have another child and, you know, and, and that type of thing. And I think that helps, you know, over time and it helps when you're on the field because, as I said, I think that player does believe that, hey, he's really trying to help me. And um, I think that's the difference from here to college where college, you know, hey, they come in, uh, they come in as a freshman and they, uh, you know, automatically that assumption is already made. Um, and that, but here I think it's a little bit more of a trust factor that you have to build over time. And I think when you do get that, then you know you've got a pretty good situation. What do you see as the biggest adjustments that O linemen in particular have to make from college to pro that <clears throat> makes them, even if they were good in college, what's going to make them successful at the pro level? That's a great question. Um, being out last year um, after we got let go of the Colts, I spent um, uh, 2018 back at the University of Arizona and uh, working for Kevin Sumlin. And it, it's going back to that one year after six years in the NFL, <clears throat> the college game has changed a lot uh, in the sense of all those with the RPO and going fast and, and that. And so there's, you're limited, I don't want to say limited, but you're, the amount of things that you're able to teach um, that they can, just because of the style of offense, there's not a lot of carryover coming to the NFL. And so the development part, especially in my opinion for offensive linemen, quarterbacks, um, there, is a, there is a gap in there. And I think so the development of the guys, it's, it's a lot harder um, when they get here. Um, because of going fast, there's not, you're not talking to them in college about, hey, this is base personnel on defense, this is nickel, this is dime, this is quarters. They don't, you're going fast, it don't matter. Yeah. You're blocking spots, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, it could be a big guy standing here or a little guy, it don't matter. That guy's going <laughs> to be that in. guy. Exactly. So, I mean, you have rules for that, but it's not here. It's, it's about matchups along with the X's and O's where in the college it's not so much. Um, and then obviously the style of offenses with the RPOs and all that kind of stuff, it's from a technique standpoint, it's completely different. So I, I do think that, you know, that's why, I, in my opinion, there is a, 
um, kind of a, um, a slower process that you see some of these guys that are coming out in the draft and they're like, wow, why isn't he playing right away? I think there, it's a, a really a big, big jump, uh, especially where some of these guys are coming from in the style of offense. And then you get here and it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, I think that's where the, the their development is slowed down. Yeah, that's really interesting. All right, well, we're going to have more coming up on Buccaneers Total Access with offensive line coach Joe Gilbert, brought to you by Advent Health. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health with head coach Bruce Arians and Bucks insider Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access with offensive line coach Joe Gilbert. So I uh, wanted to hear first of all from the game on Saturday. Just overall, how would you rate the, the offensive line play from the game? Um, to be honest with you, I think we, there are spots where we play well and there are spots that we were really sloppy. Um, you know, uh, and that's kind of where we got off to a slow start. Um, and then obviously there was that stretch where we, we played fairly well and protected Jameis and we got the ball going. And, and uh, so I think it's it's one of the things as a coach, you know, you, there's never going to be a perfect game, although you, you hope like hell there would be, right. um, but there isn't. Um, but, but I think that was probably uh, uh, kind of an up and down ball game for us up front a little bit. Um, wish it overall um, that we performed obviously better than what we did. When there are games like this one where there are turnovers, especially early in the game, what is your message to your guys when, when they come over to you on the sideline after some of those plays and you know you know that it's not what you guys wanted, you see that it, you know, trying to make sure that they don't get down on themselves or, or you know, early on especially, what's the message you have for them? Well, I think you just got to play every play, you know, and it's one thing, it, you can't look back. I mean, after a play, whether you're an offensive lineman or receiver, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, if you had a bad play or a good play, you know, that next one's coming in 40 seconds. So, right. you know, so to, to go back or, or when you get off on the sideline um, and you're sitting there and you're, you know, oh, man, I did this. Now, obviously, you're trying to make corrections as you go through the game and say, hey, look for this or, hey, we need to do a better job on this, you know. You know, and you're looking at the pictures and you're trying to get tips and you're trying to help them as the game flows. Um, but I, I, I do think that I think they're, these guys, as a professional, they get that they have to move on to the next play and pretty quick because uh, then they're going to be back on the field and getting hit in the head again, you know, right. pretty quick. So um, that's kind of the mentality. And, and it's, it's been always B.A.'s message to the guys and say, hey, you got to play every play. You know, don't look back, look, you know, boom, the next play. And because you never know when they're going to come up, you know. And as a coach, you always sit there and there's usually between six to eight plays usually make the difference in a ball game. You just don't know when they're going to come up, yeah. you know. And That'd be helpful. <laughs> exactly, you know. Uh, we all make a lot of money. Um, but I think that's a big thing. And it's like you say to the line, hey, you know, you can't relax on this one play because as soon as you relax and you give up a pressure, then you show them the tape come Monday and you show them and you say, look it, you know, hey, you know, uh, BP, you know, beat the guy on a post. He's wide open, but Jameis didn't have time to throw the ball because we relaxed and didn't do our job. You know, so everything goes hand in hand. And like I said, you don't know when those plays are coming up. Right. That's yeah, that's a great point. What would you say is your uh, coaching style overall, the way that you try to relate to the guys and, and the way you are in the meeting room, on the practice field? Um, I think, you know, um, probably. Uh, I, I'd hope to say it's a, I'm a teacher, um, number one. Um, try to give them the information that they need. I think when you do critique or you make corrections, I think it's a, 
um, hey, you're not being critical, you know, I mean, you, you have to make the corrections, that's what we're in this business for. Um, so yes, we're gonna make the corrections, it's not personal, you know, it's always based on you to be a better football player. And I think that goes back to the relationship part of it is if the guys believe that you have their best interest, then they're gonna take that criticism the right way, um, take the coaching part and move on. You know what I mean? Um, and these guys are pros. I mean, at this level to sit there and, you know, dog cuss a guy out, they're just going to shut you out. Right. I mean, they, they know when they screw up, you know I mean? You don't need to say to Allie, hey, Allie, you know, you got beat on it. He knows, yeah. you know. <laughs> He's like, thanks, appreciate uh, yeah, you, yeah, Captain yeah, Obvious. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, now, do you say, hey, your punch, your hand placement, your feet, whatever it was, that's the coaching part, you know? I mean, to come over and say, hey, you gave up a sack, well, no kidding, yeah. <laughs> you know? So, um, but I think that that would be the part that I, I'd like to hopefully say that a, a teaching part and a, uh, hopefully a, a technician part of it. We tend to hear that a lot of the different position groups sort of have you know, some stereotypical identities about them. And it's not always true about every guy, but, you know, you hear the O-line, they're a lot of times some of the more cerebral guys, they're the humble guys that don't care that they're not getting their name called a lot. And, you know, do you feel like there's any need to coach um, the offensive line differently than other position groups? Or do you see where it is wise for each of you guys at a different position to go about it differently? Um, I, I think it, it's funny. All the guy, all positions are different. You know what I mean? It, it, the, from the quarterback standpoint to running back to DBs, everybody's different, the, the player. Um, so the personalities do kind of go with the rooms a little bit. Um, and from the offensive line standpoint, I mean, obviously, you know, there's, yeah, there's, you know, if Jameis goes out and throws for 450 yards and four touchdowns and, you know, that part of it, you know, everyone's praising him, you know. Um, and obviously, if he goes out and we give up four or five sacks, then we're the, we're the you know, we're no, the guys. No glory, we're, only No, the exactly. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand with the position. I think um, as guys get to this level, you know, and have played this long, they understand that. Um, so um, for them to say, hey, I want someone to, you know, pat me on the back or whatever, I don't think that, you know, I, I know that the, you know, the quarterback always throws it out, hey, the offensive line really played well or stuff like that, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, for the personalities, uh, there's, yeah, there's some of the guys are humble. Uh, some of them aren't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I think overall, from the cerebral standpoint, we have to be because there's just so much volume in the play calls at this level um, and there's so many adjustments like okay you, you know when they break the huddle it's one thing about the play may change based on what we get from a defense but that defense can call anything in their playbook you know so uh, you have about you know 12 seconds or so 10 seconds to make the adjustment to get the calls out of how you're going to handle something and the ball snapped and then you got to play ball um, so I think it's it's hard in my opinion at this level to get guys that um, can mentally just can't grasp it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's incredible the chess match that happens yeah. in that tiny little span of time. Um, Donovan Smith had had this incredible Ironman streak going of having started and, and been available to start all these, all these games here as a Buccaneer and unfortunately had to come to an end about a week ago. And were you aware of that streak going into that game and knew yeah, about that? Yeah, we did. And, um, and, and I know, um, you know, uh, before the game, he went out and tried. Uh, it just... 
uh, and then Allie kind of got out there and they did a little bit of pass rush and, you know, he just didn't have the strength to be able to hold up. And unfortunately, you know, um, you know, he had a, you know, couldn't play against the, the Lions. So, um, but I do think that, uh, you know, um, I think it was 76 or 77 straight games, something like that, that he had played in, which at this level is, is unbelievable. That's, that's a lot of, yeah. that's a lot of snaps. What had that meant to a team like this? How important is that to have a guy at that position in particular be so consistently available? And just overall, what has he meant to this line? Um, I think that, you know, obviously at your left tackle, um, and in this league, a lot of times you're in a more of a right formation, so your tight ends to the right side, and that guy's left on an island quite a bit. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it's a big deal when your left tackle is not playing and, you know, next man up mentality where we got to go in and next guy's got to play no matter what. Um, but also because the number of reps during the course of this, uh, the week um, is, hey, here are the set number of reps. Those guys got to get them so they can get the, the visual picture. They understand how we're doing things. Um, so now all of a sudden when, you know, the other guy's getting the reps or he's getting the reps and then he's hurt, blah, 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 the whole thing, you know, it not just affects the starter, but the guy that's going to play in his place may not have the preparation that that Donnie had or vice versa. So, you know, it's like this week when Donnie finally played, you know, obviously he'd been out for two weeks, so he hasn't had the preparation. And, and it's like anything, you know, if you're not practicing, you know, it's kind of hard to, to perform at a high, high level, you know, um, because obviously it's, you know, I know it's an old, ad, <clears throat> uh, an old uh, saying from a coach, but, you know, for the most part, you, pr you, you play the way you practice, yeah. and, but it is true. We're talking offensive line coach Joe Gilbert. Um, what are Donovan's <clears throat> biggest skills that he brings? What has made him a successful left tackle? Um, his athleticism, I would say for a big man, I mean, uh, 320, 30 pounds, uh, his athleticism, uh, ability to move, change direction, uh, without question, that's a huge asset because you just don't see a guy with that type of athletic skills that's that big and that athletic. Um, so I would say, number one, that would be it. What are the things that you're still hoping he works on, improves on, things that, you know, going into next year you'd, you'd like to see him grow in? Um, I, I think consistency. Um, you know, uh, he does, you know, at times on tape, he does some things that you sit there and say, man, that's what – we're looking for you know that's what the left tackle should do that's you know uh, and then there's other plays where he does it once but not the second time and uh, and that's what you try to continue to instill you know in every player but um, you know he can do it because he's put it on tape so now it's just a matter of being you know hey if it's 65 plays be consistent for 65 not 60 you know right. and I think that would be the number one thing. Uh, how important has it also been having Allie, you know, these these two guys getting to play next to each other now this year and having been here the whole time together, came in as rookies, and just the leadership that guys like him provide. I mean, you being a captain, being the, the player rep, all of that kind of stuff, having that on, on your offensive line, how important has that been? Oh, that's that's big. I mean, obviously, uh, Allie now has grown into that role. You know, his peers uh, obviously have voted for him to doing that, so that's a big deal. Um, and I think, you know, overall he is – uh, Allie's a, you know, a, a smart, you know, a smart guy, um, has the best interests of his teammates, uh, you know, uh, for sure, uh, in his heart, uh, in his mind, for sure, 
you know, to take care of those guys the right way, being the rep and all that kind of thing. So um, it, it's a big deal, you know, and um, and he's a great guy in the room. He It's that whole thing about when, hey, criticism or being hard on himself about, you know, how he played, you know, he, he's awesome as far as that. He's a realist. He looks at it and knows when he's played bad or, you know, or when he's played well. And he's had to start at all three interior positions at different points in his first just, you know, four years here and coming from a D3 school and then being asked to do so many different things. Explain how easy or difficult it is to move guys around on the offensive line because I'll see people a lot of times, oh, you know, we could just move Donovan to right tackle or, oh, Allie to this, that. It seems like people tend to think it's it's extremely interchangeable. Explain why that either is or is not accurate. <clears throat> it's a lot harder than you think. Um, number one, you know, it's to go from guard to center you know, your center is basically the guy that's making all the calls, making the mic ID, putting everybody on the same page. Um, and so you need one voice up there along with a quarterback to kind of do that. Um, you know, and so from going just to being the guard and listening to, hey, this is where we start, and then we make the secondary call to being the guy running the show, that's a big deal. Um, the other thing is, is your muscle memory uh, for offensive linemen. There's not one thing an offensive line does that's natural, okay? Um, you know, you grow up as a kid telling, you know, avoid people, not hit them, you know? Uh, you know, the change of direction, your foot. Well, all of a sudden when Allie works everything at left guard and his footwork and everything is a certain way, to go to right guard or go to center where you're in a balance stance or go to right guard where you're changing your feet and now your muscle memory and your footwork it's completely different. And so to make and move those guys around is hard. Now, if you're the swing guard or swing center, uh, like Earl or <clears throat> or Josh Wells being the swing tackle, during the course of the week, you're working both spots. You're working, you know, right-hand, left-handed stance at center. You know, you're getting those reps. But for a guy like Allie or Cap or Ryan, for that matter, at center, those guys are working specifically that that job. So for them to ever switch and go to the other side, it, just from a mechanic standpoint, punching with your other hand, moving your feet the different way, it, it's a lot harder than people would anticipate. Well, we just have one more segment coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access with offensive line coach Joe Gilbert, brought to you by Advent Health. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians now continues, brought to you by Advent Health. All right, this is our final segment here on Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. We are here with offensive line coach Joe Gilbert, and we were just talking about Donovan and Allie and, and what they've brought to this line. And I, I also want to hear about Ryan Jensen, that um, he was brought in to, you know, given a, a really big contract after not having played a really long time in the league as, as a starter. What is it about him that, you know, could, could inspire that kind of confidence to anchor this line, to be the center making those calls? What does he bring? I think Ryan, number one is his toughness. I mean, he, and you know, he is a tough physical player. When you watch him in there, I mean, he, he plays the game like you want him to play. I mean, he, he really does. He, he's physical, he's nasty, you know, that part of it. Um, the second part of it is we've already talked about being cerebral, being able to make the calls, being able to put everybody on the, the, the right page, and, uh, and he's able to do that as well. Um, so, you know, and from his size, athleticism, you know, um, for a big guy like him, He's pretty athletic and, and moves well. So I think those would be the three things that when you sit there and say, you know, um, did they make the right move in bringing him in? I would say yes. You know, he's a guy that, that's done a good job anchoring the line in the center of it. And really, I would say those are the three key things that he, that he has personally. 
How about Alex Kappa and, and the growth you've seen in him? I know that it was a, a challenge for him of having Ali already having been here as a D3 guy. And everybody's like, oh, look, we can just have another Ali Marpet come in from the D3. So he, that was a, a tough expectation, you know, to ask him to come in and learn that much from a D3 school. How have you seen him progress and grow and, and into the guy that, you know, I'm sure the Bucks hoped he would be when they drafted him? No, I think Cap is has come a long way. Um, I'll be honest, from watching tape when we first got here uh, and doing evaluations on the players, you know, till now, um, um, he has made huge strides, uh, really has. Um, he's a smart guy, really smart. I know he doesn't talk a lot. He's quiet, um, but um, very, very smart um, and tough. I mean, you know, uh, when he broke his arm or had the, the had to get the plate put in it, you know, he played a, almost the entire game with a broken arm. Um, didn't say a word and then come out and he's got to get surgery, you know, in 24 hours afterwards. I mean, um, so that part of it and uh, and obviously he's learning, um, you know, as every player he's still got things to work on and, and technique to improve on, but um, a lot of upside uh, to him and uh, and he loves the game of football. I think he can, you know, one thing I, I think that more and more as a coach, you're trying to find guys that really love the game um, because it's not for everybody. It's hard. Um, and so you need guys that are willing to come in here and work every day and, and put the time in and doing that. Um, so I think that's important. How about De uh, DeMar Dotson and the way he's been able to be on this team and, and play so much for so long and at that position and at his size? You know, what has he brought and, and how much do you feel like we can still be expecting out of him? You know, he's been, he's been doing this a long time now. <laughs> that's great. I mean, he here's a guy that's 11th year. Um, and, you know, when we first got here, wasn't around a lot. Um, and you got a little worried, like, hey, you know, does he want to be here, the whole thing? And, and, and again, it's that relationship thing. And as soon as, you know, we built that relationship uh, with him, you know, he ends up, you know, being around. He is a great guy to coach. You talk about every day. He goes out, wants to learn, you know, tries to work on his technique and his craft every single day. Um, it's just been a really, really pleasure to have. And you don't always get that. You know, you get a guy that um, is 11 years in the league. He's had several, uh, you know, several coaches and, uh, and everybody obviously technique-wise is a little different, you know, that part of it. But he has uh, really accepted it and is, you know, um, with open arms and just been, in my opinion, a really, really great pro. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate having you on here. Casey, I loved it. Thank you. Awesome. And thanks to all of you for being here with us this whole season on Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Advent Health. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you next year. This is the Buccaneers Radio Network. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Bruce Arians has been brought to you by Advent Health. With the support of world-class expertise and whole-person care, it's time to feel whole with Advent Health. To learn more, visit adventhealth.com. This is Tampa Bay's Sports Radio, 95.3 WDAE and AM620 St. Petersburg. Home of the best box coverage.